A reading from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Well, good morning, everybody. Well, uh, along with Ed, let me say welcome to Community Christian. My name is Nathan, and uh, I'm on staff here as well. And this is the last week that we are doing in our series that we've been in for the last uh, about six weeks here. Uh, the wrapping up here, our series on why the church is essential. And we started talking about the idea that the church is really essential, that if you're going to be a believer, that for your faith, your personal life in the kingdom of God— well, the church is essential to that. It's an essential part of that. But about a couple weeks ago, we really kind of started to shift focus a little bit and start talking about this idea that really the church exists as an outpost of the kingdom of God in our community. That for the sake of the world around us, the church must exist to show what life in the community of God actually looks like. Jesus said his disciples would be the light of the world. That we would be an example, like a city set on a hill, that when people would see us and see the way that we live and we love one another, that they would praise our Father in heaven, that we are to be the salt of the earth, that everywhere we go, that we are people who are bringing out the unique flavor of God's kingdom in the world around us, that we are bringing out the goodness of God in every community, every environment that we go. And that the way we go about doing this is what Jesus said, his final command to his followers, which was to go and make disciples. And now here's the truth. All of us have that very first part down. All of us are practiced goers. We talked about that last week, right? We go all the time. We are going to work and we're going to drop our kids off at school. And then we got to go to the ball field, and then we got to go and pick up groceries, but we don't actually want to cook those groceries, so then we got to go and get some other food somewhere else. And then we got to go home, and we got to get to bed, and we got to redo the whole thing. We are going all the time. Our world seems busier than ever, because now, no matter where you go, you can go online. And you can go on social media, and even though the gas prices went up and everyone seems to be complaining about it, all y'all still going on vacation. You're still going places. Now, not you guys, because it's Labor Day weekend, and this is where you chose to be. So, hey, there you go. Brownie points, I guess. But here's the deal. We're all going somewhere all the time. And our world just seems busier. Our issue is not the go part. We are good at going. It's the as you go. We talked about this last week. The as you go, your intention for all the goings that you have would be I want to make disciples. That everywhere I go, I go as a part of the body of Christ. And it's not my job necessarily to make every person I meet into a disciple of Jesus. This isn't about trying to force Jesus into every moment. It's that my, my goal in every moment is that I am in this constant process, as Paul said last week in our, in our scripture reading for last week, that Jesus has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that God is the one who is always at work drawing people to him. 
And we get to partner with that. So everywhere I go, I go, that's my intention. We said, we want to be ambassadors of Christ's kingdom everywhere we go. And this is an essential part of what it means to be the church, is that we exist for the sake of the world, that we are disciples of Jesus, learning how to live in his kingdom for the sake of drawing other people towards his kingdom. And today, really, all I want to do is I want to get really practical. In fact, by the end of this, you're going to have some action steps, which already freaks some of you out, and that's okay. We're going to get really practical, really real world of what does it actually look like to change my intention everywhere we go, because I think it is so essential to who we are as a church, but especially to who we want to be. I think we all want to be a church that is not only essential to the believers who attend here, but we are essential to our community, to Coweta County. We want to be involved in making the lives of our community better. This is why we partner with organizations like Bridging the Gap and Salvation Army and Coweta Force and all the great things that they are doing in our community for people who may never walk through the doors of our church. We just want to make the, the kingdom of God makes every part of every community better when the church lives it out. And so we just want to be a part of that in every way that we can. It's why uh, several times now we have given money as a church. We're going to collectively, we're going to wipe out medical debt through RIP medical debt in this county and some of our surrounding counties because we just want to bless people. That God is just promiscuously blessing people all the time. He is just blessing upon blessing upon blessing to the good and the bad, to the righteous and the unrighteous. And we want to be the same way. We just want to be pouring out blessing everywhere we go. It's why we start churches around our state. We believe the kingdom of God makes everything better. And so we want to start colonies of the kingdom of God everywhere we can. And not just for us, but for the people that are around us. But we know, and this is the part, I think you already know this. The problems in our county are bigger than poverty. It is bigger than hunger. It is bigger than medical debt. We know people who have all their financial needs met, they have all their physical needs met, and they are still plagued by loneliness and anxiety. We know this, and I think we've shared it, so maybe you already know this. In Coweta County, we are higher than the national average for marriages that are in trouble. Just a couple months ago, they released uh, in the Wall Street Journal in the areas in our country that have gone up the most in affluency based on market value of the homes. Coweta County was in the top 10 of that list. We have grown in affluency, and we have more marriages in trouble than the national average. We have people who are at a higher risk for opioid addiction than the national average. People who, when you interact with them in the grocery store, in the ball field, and everything seems normal, and healthy, we know on the inside, as we, we say around here a lot, everyone's normal until you get to know them. Everyone seems like everything's going fine until you get to know them. We know people are living, and this is what we've been saying, they're disconnected from God, they're disconnected from others, and they're disconnected from themselves. And it's just the state of our world. And as a church, we believe Discipleship to Jesus is the solution to that problem. Life in the kingdom of God, it is the solution to that problem. So we want to be a church of, of disciples who are loving one another, and we are committed to one another. This is what we talked about for the first four weeks of this series, that 
First, before we can do anything for anyone else, we have to live out the kingdom of God here. That this has to be a place where we truly are the family of God. That we're committed to one another. That we are going to love one another. We're going to serve one another. We're going to grow in our own discipleship. And we want to be people that when someone steps into this community, they, they say, I've never seen a people like that. We want to live out the kingdom of God in our midst. We want a community Christian to be a place that the Lord's prayer might be true. That right here, just as it is in heaven, that God's will would be done. That the kingdom would come right here, just as it is in heaven. And we want to be a place where regularly people who have never experienced life in God's kingdom could find healing and hope and new life in Jesus. We want to help marriages be made whole. We, we want families to be restored. We want those who are held captive by addiction to be set free or who are set trapped in isolation or depression or some kind of anxiety that they would be set free. We want to be disciples who are making disciples, but that does not happen by accident. That is a choice that has to be made. It takes the church, which is you and me, and say, when we gather together, we will be the kingdom of God. But also, when we scatter in our goings, as we go, we're going to be looking and say, how can I be a process, a part of the process of making disciples everywhere we go? That every day, every place we go, we go in the name of Jesus. That we do so, and not just for our sake, but for the sake of others. And so today, I, like I said, I want to get really practical about this. I want to help us keep our focus on how do we do that. So let's start by looking at our scripture reading that we've already read for today. The Apostle Paul, who's an early church leader, he went around making disciples everywhere he went. He went all over the Roman world at the time, colony after colony. And he's not only starting uh, he's not only making disciples, he's starting churches. He's starting communities of disciples. And because of this, he ends up getting imprisoned for his faith. But even while he's in prison, in fact, in the scripture reading we read today, he said, hey, this is a wonderful opportunity for me. Because while I'm in chains, these people have to talk to me. I'm not stuck in here with them. They're stuck in here with me. And so he says, while I'm in chains for this gospel, he wants to make he wants to make a way for the gospel to go forth. So he writes letters to all different kinds of churches. Churches he started, churches he didn't start, but he'd heard about. And he wants to write to encourage them to stay focused in their faith. This is what Paul wrote. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, being thankful. This was our assignment last week, and hopefully you did. Everywhere you go, you pray, God, open my eyes to see, open my ears to hear, open my hands to give. May your will be done through me. That's being prayerful everywhere I go. And then I'm going to be watchful. I'm going to be expectant. I'm going to expect something's going to happen. That if I pray, God's going to be at work. And so I want to see where is God already at work so I don't have to force open a door. I don't have to make something happen. God's already there and I'm just being faithful to the thing that God has called me to do. And I really do hope that you've seen God at work this week. And I hope you've seen that he's showing you people that you never noticed before and situations you never noticed before. And it, at the least, I hope he's, he's begun to change your mindset that everywhere you go, you're not focused on your bottom line and what you want out of a situation. You go as an ambassador for Christ. So Paul says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now in our world, this world, this word outsiders it's a little difficult for us. It feels a little divisive. 
There's insiders and there's outsiders. And we don't really like this idea of this whole thing. In our modern world, we have this kind of feeling of, hey, we're all sisters and brothers, man. We're all, we're all sisters and brothers. This is the way this works, especially in our country. We say, hey, we may come from all different places, but what matters most is we're all Americans. And somehow that is what is most inclusive about us. And so this outsider thing, it feels a little off to us. It feels a little wrong. But here's why I think this word is actually helpful to us and why I think Paul uses it. Because as believers, what is most important about you is not that you're an American. What is most important about you is that you are a disciple of Jesus. What is most important about you is who you belong to. Our brothers and sisters are not people who look like us or our fellow citizens or who vote like us or share blood with us, but it is our brothers and sisters in Christ. And what we've really been trying to combat in this whole series is trying to get us to see the church is more than what happens on Sunday. The church is not an affinity group for you. It is not a club of people who are just like you. It is a new family that you belong to. It is a new group that you work through. And this is what life is. There's a way in which, and I, and I feel this a lot when I end up talking to people. They say things like, hey, you know, the reason I come to church is I got to get re-energized and recharged to go out and live my real life during the week. That this is not real life. What's out there is real life. And I got to get recharged to go out and do my real life. But I think what Paul is trying to get us to see here is he goes, hey, this is more than just an hour on Sundays for you. Most of us think wherever we go, hey, my real life is it's the people that I choose, that I've got my people. I got my people. You know, I got friends at work and we share inside jokes with one another and they get me, right? And those are my people. I'm looking for my kind of people, right? Or maybe you served in the military. And so you think, you know, people who get that kind of sacrifice, they're my people. Or maybe you got kids and they're on a ball team and they're a travel ball team. And you think those are my people, people who are about that life. Those are my people. And I think what Paul is trying to get us to think about here so we're followers of Jesus, when we chose to follow Jesus, when we were baptized, when we became a disciple, we were saved not only to God, but into a people. You don't get to choose who your people are. You were saved. The church is our people. And this isn't to be decisive, divisive. This isn't to say you don't associate with people who don't go to your church. The whole point that Paul's getting to is everywhere you go, everywhere you go, you're going to be among people and you need to love your neighbor as yourself, as Jesus said. You need to love everyone always. But you need to make sure when you're out there, you're making the most of every opportunity. Because I think what would have gone without saying for Paul is when you choose, I'm going to follow Jesus, your real life is not the Monday through Saturday. Your real life is hidden with Christ, which is what Paul says in this same letter. He says who you really are. Who you really belong to, that is hidden with Christ. And so you need to make sure when you're among outsiders, you make the most of every opportunity, that you are wise about how you live. Your real life is not something you do on your own because you do not belong to you. When you chose, I'm going to allow Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior, you were bought at a price and you belong to him. We belong to one another. So the goal of our Monday through Saturday is not, hey, everyone go out and play nice and don't make too many mistakes so we can all get back together and get recharged to go out and do our real life. It's to make sure Monday through Saturday, I want to make the most of every opportunity. 
I want to be wise in the way that I live. I want to faithfully represent Christ's kingdom to the outside world. So how do we make the most of every opportunity? Because let's be honest, every opportunity sounds a little exhausting. Do I have to be on all the time? None of us want to become the kind of people who force Jesus into every conversation. We don't want to be the person at the grocery store who is asked where the hot sauce is, and we say, you want to know what's hot? Hell, have you ever heard about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? That does not sound like a good idea. In fact, Paul kind of addresses that after he says, make the most of every opportunity. Paul writes, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. By seasoned with salt, Paul is most likely making a reference to Jesus's call to be the salt of the earth. Paul means, may every conversation draw out the goodness of God in others. May you bring the unique flavor of God's kingdom to every conversation. Why? So you'll know how to answer everyone. You'll know how to draw others towards life in God's kingdom. So to help us know when God is opening a door, those of us around Community Christian use three things to listen for in our conversations with outsiders that can help us identify when God might be opening a door to a spiritual conversation. We call them the three knots, and they are, I'm not from here, I'm not prepared, and life's not going well. All of these help us to see where God might be up to something in another person's life, or where he might be softening their heart to the kingdom of God. So whenever you're in a conversation with someone and you find out they just moved here and maybe they don't know many people, that should be a trigger for you to think, maybe God is opening a door here. Often, when people's lives are in transition, they are more open to new things and new relationships. So you could take this open door to say, have you found a church yet? I'd love for you to join me this Sunday. Or if they don't seem open to church, maybe God is opening a door for you to befriend them. Maybe invite their family to dinner or go to a Braves game or hang out sometime. Or maybe you're in a conversation with a friend and you hear someone say they're not prepared for something. Maybe they just got engaged or they're having a baby or their children are leaving home or they're changing jobs or retiring. These aren't bad changes, but it's uncharted territory for them. These times of change are often ones where people are more aware of God's activity in their life. So when you hear this, maybe you should say, I'm so excited for you, but I know this is probably a little scary. I know when I was in a similar place, my church was so helpful and supportive to me. Do you have a church? Or if they're not open to that, you offer to help them get ready for this change or serve them in some kind of way or just go get lunch and encourage them in some way. And finally, if you're talking with someone and you find out life's not going well, their marriage is struggling, or they recently got a bad diagnosis or lost someone they loved, these are obvious open doors. And whether that's to say, whenever I'm hurting or struggling, my church has been so helpful to me, would you like to join me this week? Or to offer to pray for them or help them in some kind of way? Times of trouble and difficulty are often times when we're most open to the influence of God and others. And God may have put you in that person's life to be a light in the darkest time. Can you imagine the blessing you and I could be if this is how we approached every day, every relationship, every conversation? If we truly made the most of every opportunity that we are given with the people God has entrusted to us in our lives, because the people around us are not projects, they are gifts to be cared for. The goal of making the most of every opportunity is not to grow our church attendance, it's about introducing others to life in God's kingdom. We believe that discipleship to Jesus is the solution to every problem. 
because we believe that life in God's kingdom is the most rich and satisfying experience any person can have. And we want everyone we know to experience this life with us and with God. So before we move on in our service and Nathan comes back to continue teaching, I want us to spend just a few minutes inviting God to help us see the opportunities that he may be giving us. Maybe to reveal to you people that you've interacted with in the last week or that you know you're about to interact with in the week ahead that may be living in one of these three-not kind of situations. To ask God, hey God, would you, would you help me? I want to make the most of every opportunity. I want to bless this person and I want to help lead them toward the kingdom that, where you give life to people. So would you bow your heads with me? And will you just begin by thinking through the past week, people that you interacted with, maybe people you spoke to at the store, people you were around at a doctor's office or at school? Did you meet anybody that wasn't from here? Someone who's new to the area and is in need of relationships? Or maybe it was somebody in your week that wasn't prepared for something. Their life's in transition and maybe they're worried about the future. Or life just isn't going well for them. They're burdened. They're facing trouble in their life. And I'm going to give you just a few moments just to ask God to lead you through your week and bring anyone to mind in one of those situations. Now, with that person in mind, pray for them and ask God to bless them during this season of life. Take a moment to do that right now. Now I want to give you a moment to ask God to use you in that person's life. Ask him to show you what's the best way you could make the most of the opportunity to be a blessing, to draw this person toward his kingdom. Maybe if you have the person's phone number, you could take a, a minute and you could text them and simply say, Hi, I'm in church right now and God brought you to mind. I'm praying for you. How you doing? Or maybe you could ask them if there's a way you could help them. Maybe offer to go to lunch with them. Or invite them to come to church with you next week. Allow God to lead you in this very next step. But use this time. Make the most of this opportunity to bless that person. And if you don't have a person in mind yet, ask God to lead you towards somebody in just the next little bit. Let's take a minute and let's do that.
Heavenly Father, we know because Jesus told us it was true that you're always at work and that you're at work to bless all people and draw them to yourself. But you've allowed us to participate in that process. Will you help us to be at work? Help us to take the mission you've given us and take it seriously and that we would make the most of every opportunity for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of people, and the sake of the joy that comes in our lives when we participate with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So our hope really has been that over the past couple weeks, but really this whole series, that what becomes clear to you is that God has entrusted the care of this world and the care of the people in this world to his church. That God really does entrust to us the people that he has placed around us. And when you, are, you and I are sent out into the world, he entrusts those people that they would be on our heart and our mind, that we would be praying for them, that we would be working to do good in their lives, that wherever you go, you have been placed there by your heavenly Father to be an ambassador for his kingdom. You are to represent his kingdoms, to, to represent his values and his character in every interaction that, as Paul says, you would season it with salt. That you would draw out the goodness of God in every moment, in every interaction. Your goal is not to go and share your opinions and your ideas. I don't know if you've noticed, most people aren't that interested. No one's like, I wonder what their hot take on this issue is. I've been waiting to hear, what do they have to say? That you would go in every place and you would think, my, my, my job here is to represent Jesus and his kingdom. And the good news is you have not been left alone to do this. It is a partnership with you and with God and with the church that it is all of us working together to do this. This is why prayer is so critical because we don't want to be those people who are trying to force doors open where someone has said, stop. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. We've all either known those believers or we have been those believers. We were trying to force something onto somebody when they've clearly shut the door and said no. The Bible tells us that Jesus stands and he just knocks on the door. He's just knocking. He's just waiting. So Paul said we want to be wise. We want to make the most of every opportunity. And that does require planning on our part. That requires us to think and to be strategic and to work at this. It takes us being thoughtful of how am I spending my time at work and at home? How do I interact with every client that comes to my, to my work or every person that I interact with? How, how am I serving the people that are around me? How do I speak to my neighbors? How do I speak to people and my kids' activities? And so as we end, I really want to give you some very practical tools that I think will really help you in this. That I, My hope is that you will feel empowered to go out this week and to actually do this, to join God, to join our church in this mission everywhere you go. Like we've said the past couple of weeks, prayer is critical to this. And so you have either already seen that there was something on your chair or you are currently sitting on it right now. I'd like you to go ahead and get that. And some of you are already a little bit more uh, initiative takers and you've already done this. But if you haven't done it yet, go ahead and get out your phone and there is a QR code on that card right there. And it'll have one for the Apple store, one for the Android store that'll lead you to an app uh, that we think is an a, a wonderful uh, opportunity to help. It's an app that's called Bless Every Home, and their goal is to help every believer become a light for Christ in their neighborhood. So here's what you do. You go and you download 
the app, and then when you open it that very first time, you can do this the whole time I'm talking. This is not rude to me. I want to see that you're doing it. You go ahead and get it out, and you go ahead and you sign up for it. You go ahead, and, and it will uh, ask you where you live so that you go in, and it will populate into yours the names of the neighbors who live around you based on postal d data. So you already have who are the people who live around me. And what you'll find out, at least if you're me, is I know two of those names. I don't know, any, I can't be a light in my neighborhood because I don't even know who these people are. And it populates it in there. It also will give you an opportunity that you can go into that and you can put that you are affiliated with Community Christian. And what it will do is it will let you know, are there any other lights in your neighborhood? Are there any other people in your neighborhood who are also a light for Christ? Are there any other people? And you may not even know, man, I have someone who goes to my church. They live six houses down and I never knew it. And what the app does is every day it gives you five different names of people in your neighborhood that you could just be praying for. You don't even know them. You don't even know anything about it. But you say, hey, God has placed them near to me. They are my neighbor and I am to love them. So today, God, I just want to pray for them. And it gives you some prompts of what do you pray? God, how do I do good in this person's life? What could I do to make their life better? Once again, not to go and try and somehow convert them to think like I think. How do I go and just bless these five people in my life? And this is a great way to be able to identify who are the people God has put into my life. And it gives you a reminder over and over again. Maybe as I'm praying for these names over and over and over again, maybe I'll be prompted when I see someone to ask them, hey, what's your name? And then when they tell me, I go, oh, I wouldn't tell them, I've been praying for you. But I think you take the name, and now you know. Now I know a face. I have a face. I have a name. And then you can begin to, when you're involved in the lives of people, you can start putting into your own app, what are the things I could be praying for you about? And you could have that information. You could be reminded. You could use this as a chance to say, hey, God did not place me here for my sake. God's greatest intention for me and my neighborhood is not that I'm really active at complaining on our Facebook group. I don't know if you know that. That is not God's greatest intention is I want to be the one that's complaining every week on the Facebook group. Maybe God's greatest intention for you is that you would pray for the people who are around you and maybe he would start to open opportunities for you to bless people, that you would be involved in their names. Jesus said, we're two or three uh, two or more gather in my name that he is present there. And so maybe when you start to see on my map, there's another believer, there's another light in my neighborhood. Maybe you begin to say, hey, maybe there's something we could do together. Could we pray together? Could we join together to be a blessing right here in our neighborhood? What are needs we know about that maybe we could do something about? So I hope you'll do that. But I don't want you to stop at your neighborhood. You can do the same thing every place that you frequent. You could create what our discipleship ministry calls a relational orbit, which looks like this. You don't need to worry about reading the little tiny things. Those are, I, I didn't want to take the time to get rid of them. But basically, this circle gives you an idea of what it is. The idea of a relational orbit is what I've been talking about this whole time. That God has placed people in your life that are just in your orbit. There are places you go all the time. There are people you see all the time. There are needs around you. And most of us never take any time to begin to start to pray and think, God, how would you use me in the lives of these people? So you start with the outer ring, which is five. You start there and you start by talking about the places. So I would just pray, hey, God, these are the places I go. This is my neighborhood. This is my workplace. This is the gym I go to. These are the stores I frequent. And you, what you find, and this is what we've seen of a lot of our disciples, is two things. One, you find out, I don't really go anywhere. 
I'm not active. I can't go and make disciples because I'm not really going enough. Or maybe what you find is I'm going so many places and I haven't even noticed. And then you begin to play, God, how, how would you use me in that? And then you move into the entering, which is strangers. And what we say is these are people that you see regularly, but you don't know their name, right? The customers you see over and over again, or the person in your neighborhood you see walking their dog and you've never asked them their name. You could start to pray for them. You just kind of write down some kind of descriptor. This is just for you, so be whatever you want to do. Bald dude, just wrote that down. I don't care what it is, just write something down that you would know who it is. Dog walking guy. You write that down, and you just start to pray. Hey, God, give me opportunities. I don't even know this person, but I just see them. Could I be a blessing? And then you go in, number three is acquaintances. So these are people you actually do know their name, but you don't really spend any time with them. This may be your kid's teacher. I know their name, and I don't ever really talk to them. This may be a, a co-worker of yours. You know their name. You don't spend time. It's a neighbor. You know their name. God, who are those people? And so you start to pray through your places on all of those things. And then you get to what are friends. These are people you do spend time with. You, do, you know more than their name. You know stuff that's going on in their life. And you begin to pray, God, hey, what would you do in the lives of these people through me? And then that final ring is influences. These are people that have given you the right to speak into their life. And what we have found again and again as we've done this is most of us don't have very many relationships where the other person would say, you have a right to speak into my life. And maybe what I need to begin to pray is, God, how do I begin to move where I'm not just encountering lots of people on these outside rings? How do I begin to move people? How do I begin to know people that I could know what's going on in their life that when they're in a three-knot situation, I would know it? And you begin to pray. Because here's something that we are becoming more and more convinced of, and I have become very convinced of it. Everyone needs someone who is praying for them. Everyone needs someone who is just bringing their name or their face before our Heavenly Father. And again and again, as I've begun to just meet people in my relational orbit, and I just say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Occasionally, someone will stop and go, that means more than you know. I don't even believe what you believe. I don't have anybody praying for me. And that we would be people who would say, hey, I am placed here for a reason. And God wants me to be wise, that I would make the most of every opportunity because real life is life in the kingdom. It's what Paul, it's what Jesus called, the life that is truly life. And I want everyone to experience this. And if all I can be is just a tiny example of what that life is like, I want to do it. I want to be involved. And these are just tools. You don't have to feel obligated to use these things. But if you follow Jesus, you have been given the responsibility. This is clear. You have been given the responsibility to love your neighbors and to bless those that God has put in your life. So if this is not your plan, what is your plan? Because it's not going to happen by accident. And what you will find is instead of going around doing good, you've just gotten really good at going around and doing not much of anything. You just go around a bunch. But we as a church, we have a plan. And that plan is we are going to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. It is to live out God's kingdom together. And we invite other people, hey, this life is possible. This life is possible. The plan is to raise up disciples of Jesus who would go into their worlds, that they would go into their neighborhoods, into their relational orbits, and they would just say, hey, my goal is I just want to bless you. I just want to bless you, the life of the kingdom of God, because it is the only life that is truly life. And we're not asking you to do this alone because God has given us this mission. He has given the church this mission. So maybe what you need to do is you need to get with your small group. Or maybe you need to get into a small group. 
or a serving team, and you would begin to pray with one another. Instead of just getting together and you share the little you know, prayer requests that you have about the little things, that go, well, t- this week's going to be really busy and I stubbed my toe the other day. And this was... Maybe instead of just the things that you feel obligated to bring up, maybe you could bring up the name of somebody. And say, hey, would you join me in praying for them? I don't know how God wants to bless them through me, but would you just, would you just join me in praying? For the last few years, I've been leading a group of people who have been just trying to do this. When we get together, we pray together, and we just share, how do I be a blessing? And we share the names of people in our lives and say, how, how can we bless these people? How can we be involved in their lives? How we can, can we do that? About a year and a half ago, uh, one of the disciples of Jesus in our group comes and just says, hey, there's this, there's this young lady that I know, and she just found out she's going to be a mom, and it's become very clear that the dad's not going to be involved and that's not going to be a very helpful situation, even if he was. And she is scared to death. She doesn't know what to do. So would you just pray that God would use me? And this person was just, was in college at the time and said, I don't know what to do. So would you just pray that God would open doors? So we would just start praying over and over again. God, give us opportunities. Help us figure it out. And we as a group, we came together a few weeks later and we said, hey, does she have anyone who's throwing her a baby shower? And they said, no, I don't think she has anyone who's going to throw her a baby shower. And we said, well, we could throw her a baby shower. And I, what you need to know is, what's funny enough about this group, it is, it is primarily, it's about 12 people, and nine of them are men, college-age men. And they said, well, we could throw her a baby shower. And I thought, no, you can't. But uh, they said, well, maybe we could. Maybe we could figure it out. And we just started to pray. Maybe this could happen. Maybe this could happen. Maybe something could happen in this situation. And so this disciple Jesus went back and said, hey, I know this is a really scary time for you. Do you have anyone who's going to help you with a baby shower? And she said, no, actually, I don't. My parents are here, but it just, that would never happen. I don't even have people to invite. I don't even know who would come to that. So we said, well, we'll throw a baby shower. And so in my house, we had a baby shower for this young lady. And there, there were more from our group there who didn't even know this person. And we're just praying, hey, how can I be a blessing? How can I be involved in this? To the point that now about a year and a half later, she's now a part of our group. And her and her son have aunts and uncles that she never knew before who are in her life and saying, how can we support you? How can we love you? How can we encourage you? And that happens when a group of people, when communities of disciples get together and say, we want to bless your life. You matter. We don't even know you. But God was good enough to put a disciple of Jesus in your orbit. He has entrusted you to us and we will do something about it. That's the kind of church we want to be. So my question to you is, what's your plan? Because that did happen through a plan. We're going to pray and we're going to know people. Maybe for you is just right now, I'm going to download that Bless Every Home app and start praying through my relational orbit. Maybe it's to start making the most of every opportunity. I'm going to look for the three knots in conversation. Maybe you already know someone that you need to bless, someone that you need to go deeper in your relationship with, and you're going to take a step in that direction. My question is, if that's true, what are you going to do? Because you don't have to know the answer. Here's what I know. I don't know what God has planned for us as a church. It would be much more compelling if I could say, here's five years what we as a church are going to do. I don't know. I don't know if you've noticed, the world's really different than it was two years ago. Here's what I do know. Wherever God is leading us, it's together. Wherever he's leading us, it is all of us together saying, we're going to open up the sails and we're just going to try and catch the wind of the spirit and wherever he's going, we're all going to go. 
And so maybe your next step in doing this is you need to go to the Next Step Center and you need to sign up for First Steps because you say, I don't know what God would have me do, but I know it's together. And I will get involved. I will do something. As we've already talked about the fall festival, we've got this great opportunity that's coming up that I think God's going to place people in your life that you will have the opportunity to do something with. But you have to be ready. You have to be ready to be a blessing. And the church is essential to getting this done. I believe if we join Jesus, we join one another in doing this, we're going to see God do some amazing things. I've seen it. I've seen it. So to give us some time to reflect on what our next steps are, I've asked Ed to come out, lead us in a time of prayer and reflection on that.